You're listening to the Elim Church Northampton podcast. This message was recorded live as part of our regular Sunday service. We know that this is a great investment into your life. So tune in and give it a listen. For more information, visit elimnorthampton.com. Amen. Amen and amen. Come on, let's thank Jesus today. Come on, let's do, let's give him praise. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord, that you're in our lives. Thank you, Lord, without you. Lord, I don't know where we would be today. So happy Father's Day. Come on. Let's, let's, let's thank all those people. Let me just read this to you. Father's Day is a holiday honoring one's father or relevant father figure, and as well as fatherhood and the influence of fathers in society. That's what um, is described as Father's Day. The scriptures tell us to honour our fathers and mothers so that we may live a long life in the land that the Lord has given to us. And so we appreciate all our fathers, stepfathers, relevant father figures in our lives. And that includes spiritual fathers too. And we want to, those that have encouraged us, loved us and sacrificed for our benefit. And so we want to thank you so much today for all the influence in our lives, especially to you online too. So just a couple of jokes before we get into the message today. And so the first heading is a Mother's Day payback. And anybody, any fathers had any gifts today? Any Father's Day gifts? Come on. Any, any fathers got no gifts today? I mean, I think some of my kids sent me a box of chocolates yesterday. So I think it's from one of them anyway. So anybody else got a gift anyway? This is a story about um, the worst Mother's Day gift ever given. Uh, in Houston, in the Chronicle, reported a story about a guy called Jerry Maltz giving his wife an iron. And he got the message when she gave him an ironing board on Father's Day. I love that. Another title says, Day of Obedience. Father's Day is the one time of the year when I get complete obedience from every member of my family. I tell them not to spend lots of money on me and they don't. (laughs) I think that's brilliant, isn't it? Uh, And so we do appreciate all our fathers. But I want to talk to you today about some aspects of the Father out of God. And um, I know that when we talk about God as our Father, there can be many filters that we have to work through because of our experience of father figures in our lives. Some of you have good experiences of fathers and some of you may not have had a good experience. And I do want to say that our experience of human fathers or father figures in our life does affect our our life as a Christian when we come to view God as our Father. Because most of the time we filter it through our experiences. As we were worshipping this morning, I was actually thinking about my own life and the father figures in my own life and how they may have affected my walk with God when I came to him. So when I look back over my life, both of my grandfathers died at the age of 40, so I never actually ever met them. My, so my father was left as a 15-year-old kid with no dad, And therefore, when he had us three kids and I was the eldest son, I realised that because my father never had a father, 
he didn't know how to father. And so I actually grew up, my father was an awesome guy and uh, he never harmed me, just loved me the best way he could. But actually it was reversed. I ended up actually being a really bad son to my dad. So when I thought about how fathers influence your life, I thought, wow, I actually, I never had much fatherhood in my life, but the one that I did, I didn't treat him with much respect. Only until I became a Christian. And I sat there thinking, it was only three years ago that I actually took his funeral when he died in the early stage of COVID in a care home. And I couldn't even go to the care home because COVID would just start and nobody would be allowed to go there to visit and so there I was at a funeral, nine people around a grave that we couldn't even have a service because you couldn't even use the facilities for 20 minutes. And what went through my mind is what influence, because when we became Christians, my dad became a Christian a week before me, and then a week after that I became a Christian. And after that relationship with God connected, my relationship with my dad was, was amazing. I began to reverse the, the hurt that I caused him through verbal abuse, not physical, but just made his life a misery through my lifestyle. But I sat there, thought today, I thought, what influenced me? And do you know what? My dad couldn't read or write, but it's a miracle that he could read the Bible when he got saved. In fact, he became an elder of the church that I got saved in. And what I remember when my father left me was that I knew at five o'clock in the morning, if I asked a question, where would my dad be? I knew where he would be. He would be in his room with his Bible open, praying. Every single day of his life, five o'clock, I knew where he would be. And when I did his funeral, my sister had his Bible, a big Bible, massive big letters. And when I opened the Bible, just lines scrolled in. And I tell you, his life was to live for Jesus 100%. He came late as a Christian in his, in his 50s over and there he served God, and that marked my life as a father to me. And so I want to encourage you today that you, whatever experience that you've had in your life, sometimes those things in cloud what our Father in heaven is really like. And we've heard already of, on the stage of, of some of the things that happened to us in life and the struggles, and, we, and they filter and they blind the truth about who God really is. And so... Michael Reeves says this, not everyone instinctively warms to the idea that God is Father. There are many from whom, from their own experiences of overbearing, indifferent or abusive fathers make their very gut squirm when they hear God spoken as a father. One's heart goes out to the children of such fathers and those of us who are fathers ourselves know that we too are far from perfect. But God the Father is not called Father because he coppers earthly fathers. He is not some pumped-up version of our dads. To transfer the failings of earthly fathers to him is quite simply a mistake. Instead, things are the other way round. It is that all human fathers are supposed to reflect him. And I, if I were to give you, if you're a father today or going to be a father, I would give you a tip. If you want to be a good father, then you make sure that you know what your heavenly father is like and copy him. And then you cannot fail from being a good father. And so that's what I would hand to you. If you can be more like him, be more like Christ, that's the best gift that you can give to your children. And so it was J.I. Packer 
said this, if you want to judge how well a person understands Christianity, find out how much he makes and and thoughts of being God's child and having God as his father. If this is not the thought that prompts and controls his worship or her worship and prayers, then the whole life, outlook on life will mean a misunderstanding of what it is to be a follower of Jesus. For everything that Christ taught, everything that makes the New Testament new and better than the old, everything that is distinctly Christian is summed up in the knowledge of the fatherhood of God. And so throughout the scriptures, we need to really dig into finding what God our Father is like. That's why, you know, our relationship with God and our fruitfulness in Christ is not so much about all the Bible knowledge that we know or all the things that we do. It's actually based on how much you know the Lord. How much you know about his character. Because once you're fixed on knowing what he's like, when things happen to you, then you'll still be able to stand firm. When lies are said about our Heavenly Father to us when things go wrong, we'll be distinctly reversed and know, do you know, my Father's not like that. And so that's our goal, that we need to be more like him, to know him. And the way that we find out what God is like is not some, just by somebody giving us a reference, but actually it's rooted in the Bible. That's why we need to read the scriptures, not so that you'll just have eternal life, but that you'll begin to know what God is like. And the more you know what he's like, the more that you'll be rooted in his love and what he's like and his faithfulness. And I, I pray that I'm just going to bring a couple of those things from the scriptures that found, gives foundation to what God is like. This is not what I think. This is what he has told us in his word and through his actions and his attributes of what God the Father is really like to us. In fact, not only the scriptures, but Jesus when he came, he came to reflect the Father. There were so many religious leaders around at the time who were reflecting what God was like and he looked at the, the, the way they was operating and he was saying to himself, there's no way that my, you're representing my father really well. And do you know something? Sometimes in, in life, in Christianity, there are some like pastors or leaders who actually say things about God that doesn't really represent him well. And it messes us up. And so Jesus said, guys, you're messing you're messing the image of my father up. So I'm going to demonstrate what he's really like. And that's what brought all the conflict. Jesus healed. Jesus loved. Jesus went among sinners because they thought that God would never have nothing to do with anybody that wasn't perfect. And Jesus flipped that and was saying, no, I want to show you what my father is like. So if you want to see what the father is like, read the scriptures of what Jesus did. And so Jesus in one, John 1, just a little bit of a biblical basis for us, says the word became flesh and made his dwelling amongst us. We have seen his glory, the glory of the one and only son who came from the father, full of grace and truth. No one has ever seen God, but the only one, the only one son who is himself God and is in the closest relationship with the father has been made known to him. Colossians tells us that the son is the radiance of God's glory. That's actually Hebrews tells us the sun is the radiance of God's glory and the exact representation of his, be, of his being sustain everything by his powerful word. Colossians says the sun is the image of the invisible God. So if you want to see what the father's like, look to Jesus. If you want to see what the father's like, look to the scriptures, go through the whole Bible because it reveals what God is like. Jesus said, I and the father are one. 
It's, that, it's amazing that Philip, who went with Jesus for years, and he said, if you just show us the Father, it'll be enough for me. And Jesus said, don't you know me, Philip? Here's the key. Don't you know me, Philip? Don't you know me, Philip? See, this is the key to our walk with God. How much you know him. Not so much how much you do for him, because you can do things for God and not even know him. How much you know. He says, Philip, don't you know me? After I have been with you for such a long time. And then he says this. Anyone who sees me has seen the Father. What a statement. Claiming himself to be God. That's why he was crucified. That's why they said he's blaspheming. And he says, how can you say, show us the Father? That's so powerful. You want to see what God is like? Look to Jesus. Get through the word of God. And, and then Jesus says to us, when you pray, this is how you need to pray. Our Father. And so if we don't get our Father right, if we don't get the image and the characteristics of what God is like, our prayers won't be effective. Our walk with God will be sort of up and down because we have to be rooted on the character and the nature of God to sustain us through any kind of trial and hardship and disappointment. And when we get his character, then we'll not be moved. It's like in any relationship. As I get to know more Nathan than Naomi, and if anybody came to me and said something about Nathan, I'd go, actually, you're probably talking about the wrong Nathan. Why? Because I'm getting to know him. And so I will dismiss any negativity that's not in line with what his character's like. And that's how we need to be when we're walking with God. When the devil tells you, when the circumstances tell you that God doesn't love you anymore, or God's abandoned you and God doesn't care about you, that is a lie from hell. Because we have to be based on his character. Jesus said, I'll never leave you nor forsake you. And so if we're not fixed on the word of God, then we're going to be all over the show when things get hard. When we pray, when we want in breakthroughs, we need to base our, our mind and our prayers on his nature, on his character, and on his actions, not based on our feelings. And so we need to transfer. And this is how you, should, how you should pray. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. When G, the Jewish hearers heard at that time, their brain would have immediately gone back to Exodus 4. This is the first passage in the Bible where God relates himself to a father to the people of Israel. The first time in scripture where God is mentioned to, as a father to his people. And then he goes to Moses. If you know the story, he goes to Moses in chapter 4, he says, Then say to Pharaoh, this is what the Lord says, Israel is my firstborn son. Here he's referring that these are my children. These are my kids. And I am their father. And I told you, let my son go. Let my people go. And they can worship me. And then he says, but they refuse to let him go. So I will kill your firstborn son. It's something about God. How passionate he is about his kids. How, how easy it is for him to get upset when anybody is restricting or oppressing his kids. How God is so concerned 
Exodus 7 says, The Lord said, I have indeed seen the misery of my people in Egypt. I have heard them crying out because of their slave drivers, and I am concerned about their suffering. It's interesting when non-believers say, where is God in all this? Let me tell you where God is, right in the middle of it all. Because this tells us what our Father is like, our God is like. So I have come down to rescue them from the hand of the Egyptians and to bring them up out into a land that is good and spacious, a land flowing with milk and honey. So here's the first thing that God says about his fatherhood. I have heard their cry, I have seen their misery, and I'm not willing to sit here and do nothing about it. And when you say, where's God in all this? I'll tell you where he is. He's getting ready to move on your behalf. Because it's his nature, it's his character, it's what he does. He can't help it as a father. I want to know any fathers in the house or any fathers online, if you know your kids was in this situation, if they were taken or taken as slave travers or whatever it is or stolen, how would you feel? Would you be there just going, oh, well, it doesn't really matter? You would do what you could to get hold of them and be involved in rescuing them from their misery or from their suffering. He said, I, wanna, I not only want to deliver them, but I want to bring them to a place that is spacious, a good a land full of milk and honey. See, that's the character of our Heavenly Father today in our lives. And the devil will try and cloud that God is punishing you and God is not for you and God has turned his back on you. And now the cry of Israelites has reached me and I have seen the way the Egyptians are oppressing them. So now go, I am sending you to Pharaoh to bring my people the Israelites out of Egypt. The first thing that we need to know is that our father is a delivering father. I want to tell you, no matter where you are right now, I don't care if you're stuck, you're, you're feeling like oppressed. I don't care if you're suffering, your welfare is upside down. Our heavenly father doesn't sit in heaven looking and just shaking his head at you and going, oh, well, you got yourself in trouble. That's not our father today because he's still concerned he is the same yesterday, today, and forever. In other words, what he did then, he's going to do now. And he's still concerned. And he still wants to get involved in your crisis. And so I want to encourage you today. Our Heavenly Father loves you. He cares for you. And he will get involved in your life. You see, all other gods and all other idols, that's why he doesn't want us to worship them. Because when you're in trouble, they will never answer you. Because they're dead. There's only one God that is alive. The God of Israel. Yahweh. The God of the old and the God of the new. Jesus Christ. Who is alive forevermore. And when you put your trust in idols and other gods, I tell you, when you're at the bottom ladder of life, they'll just scoff at you. But this God that we serve is a God that rescues. He's better than Green Flag in AA. He's a God that comes to our rescue. He's a God that will want to deliver us from our oppressors. He's a God that doesn't hate us being in slavery. He's a God that is attentive to our prayers. Not one of your sighs from the inside of you or that comes out of you ever goes unlistened by our Heavenly Father. Have you ever spoken to somebody and you've said to yourself, they're not listening to me? Have you ever done that? 
Have you done that with your children? If you've got kids and you're thinking, they've never listened to a word I've just told them. But do you know something? I have any father, not one word falls to the ground. Every word that comes out of your heart and mouth, God is attentive to your cry. Psalm 18 says, In my distress I called to the Lord. I cried to my God for help. From his temple he heard my voice. My cry, my cry came before him to his ears. Now listen to what happened. He didn't just sit there and listen to the prayers. He says this, He parted the heavens and came down. Dark clouds were under his feet. He reached down from the height and took hold of me. He drew me out of deep waters. He rescued me from my powerful enemy, from my foes who were too strong for me. They confronted me in the day of my disaster, but the Lord was my support. He brought me out into a spacious place. He rescued me because he delighted in me. You've got to know that this morning. You've got to know in your life, if you've given your life to Jesus, that he's delighted in you because you've accepted his son, because you're now his child. He delighted in you and he, and he it breaks his heart when he sees you in a mess. He breaks his heart when he sees you in stress or depression or anxiety or pressure or whatever it is. It, God, it touches his heart because our God is a rescuing God. Our God is a delivering God. Our God is an attentive God to your needs in your life, even though you can't feel it right now. And how can we base that? We base it on what he's already done for us in the scriptures. That's only our foundation. Not on hearsay, not on somebody else's experience, but what does the Word of God tell us? Colossians says, For he has rescued us from the dominion of darkness and brought us into the kingdom of the Son that he loves, in whom we have redemption and forgiveness of sins. God has demonstrated he's a delivering God over our lives, even when we didn't deserve it. 2 Corinthians tells us, Indeed, we felt we had received the sentence of death. This is Paul. But this happened that we might not rely on ourselves, but on God, who raises the dead. He has delivered us from such deadly peril, and he will deliver us again. On him we set our hope that he will continue to deliver us. See, this is the hope that we have, church, today with our Heavenly Father. When Jesus says, pray to your Heavenly Father, it's because of who he is in our lives. That he's a God that we can trust 100%. I want to say to you, you know, you're trusting him with your eternal salvation. So it should be easy for you to trust him with everything else in your life. You're trusting him with the biggest thing in your life that he promised you heaven and not hell. You're trusting him with your eternal soul. So we better get learning on earth how we trust him with everything else. Because that's a big thing to trust God with if we can't trust him with our little things. God is faithful. God is our deliverer. And he will continue to deliver you. As we walk through the scriptures, we come to the book of Exodus in Deuteronomy. Because you only find what the fatherhood of like is through the scriptures. How what he's done to his people. So if he's done it to them, he's going to do it to me. And through Jesus. Deuteronomy says, Moses uses a metaphor to portray God as father to Israel. And he says this, and in the wilderness, there you saw how the Lord your God carried you as a father carries his sons and daughters all the way you went up until you reached this place. Moses began to lecture the people of God and reminded them how God cared for them and provided for them, even though they rebelled against him and didn't go into the promised land. 
You see, you have to understand that does only God do good things to you when you obey him? When you look to the scriptures, it seems to me that God in his grace and mercy still shows his favour and his love to his people even when they turn their back on him. See, that's the kind of God that we serve today. Now that doesn't give you a license to live a life of how you want and throw it back in God's face. It should stir us more to actually say, wow, what a God that we serve. He doesn't give us what we deserve. And so Moses continued to say to the people how you rebelled against him, but God still cared for you. God still provided for you. He says, then I said to you, do not be terrified. This is God. Do not be afraid of them. The Lord your God who is going before you will fight for you. This is the father voice to his people as he did for you in Egypt before your very eyes and in the wilderness. There you saw how the Lord your God carried you as a father carries his son all the way you went until you reached its place. In spite of this, you did not trust in the Lord your God who went ahead of you on your journey in fire by night and a cloud by day to search out places for you to camp and to show you the way you should go. Can you grasp that today? That your heavenly Father is going before you, searching out places for you to bless you. Can you get that? Jesus says, do not let your heart be troubled. I am going to prepare a place for you. If he's going to do it in heaven, why can't he do it on earth? And you're concerned about what's next, God. Don't worry. He's our shepherd. He's gone before you, searching out places to bless you. But you have to trust him. You have to trust him and follow him. All God wants to do was bless his people. But they couldn't obey him. I want to tell you today the second attribute that God cares for you and God provides for you and he still does it today even when we rebel. What a mighty God we serve. Let us then approach the throne of grace with confidence. What confidence? Your confidence? No. Confidence on who God is. That he's a delivering father that is a caring Father and a providing Father, so that we may receive mercy and find grace to help us in our time of need. Jesus said, therefore I tell you, do not worry about your life, what you will eat or drink, or about your body, what you will wear. Is life more than food and the body more than clothes? I've looked, have a look at the birds of the air. They do not sow or reap or sow away in barns, yet, listen, your heavenly Father feeds them. And then he says this, and are you not much more valuable than they? Do you know how valuable you are to your heavenly Father? If you would get that much of revelation of how much you're valuable to him, your life would never be the same again. You are the apple of his eye. You are his treasured possession. You are his inheritance. We are. That's what blows my mind. Are you not much more valuable than they? What then shall we say in response to this? If God the Father is for us, 
Who can be against us? He who did not spare his own son, but gave him up for us all, how much will he not also, along with Jesus, graciously give us all things? See, our Heavenly Father is a caring and a providing God. And as we move on to the book of Isaiah, and I haven't got time to move on to Jeremiah and Hosea and Malachi, who describes more attributes of the Father, but it'd be good for you to read the Scriptures. But as we look to the book of Isaiah, it defines something else about the Father that we serve, which I'm going to finish with in a few minutes. But now, this is what the Lord says, who you created you, Jacob, who you formed you, Israel. Do not fear, for I have redeemed you. I have summoned you by name and you are mine. When you pass through the waters, I will be with you. Who's with you? The deliverer, the carer, the provider, the one who, who loves you so much, who values you so much. I will be with you. When you pass through the rivers, they will not sweep over you. When you walk through the fire, you will not be burned. See, notice that you have to walk through some stuff in life to prove who God is in your life. Not every time does God take you around the fire and around the waters. You have to walk through them to prove who God is. That he said who he is through your life. And they will not sweep over you. When you walk for the fire, you will not be burned. You have to go through some stuff. The flames will not set you ablaze. Why? For I am the Lord your God, the Holy One of Israel, your Saviour. I give Egypt for your ransom, Cush and Sheba in your stead. Since you are precious and honoured in my sight. And why? And because I love you. See, there's the third attribute of our Father today. Not only does He deliver us, care for us, and provide for us, God the Father loves me and you. I will give you people in exchange for you, nations in exchange for your life. Do not be afraid, for I am with you. I will bring your children from the east and gather you from the west. I will say to the north, give up, and to the south, do not hold them back. Bring my sons and daughters from afar and my daughters from the ends of the earth. Everyone who calls on my name, who I have created for my glory, whom I formed and made. See, God the Father loves you. As you move over to the New Testament to come to near enough for close, Romans 5.8 says this, Yet God, yet God the Father, demonstrated his own love for us. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. God demonstrated his love for us while and waited till you got perfect before he sent Jesus. Is that what the Bible says? No, he says, while you were messed up and didn't have it all together, God showed you his love and sent Jesus anyway to save you from your mess. All because he loves us. And Paul says, in all these things, we are more than conquerors from whom, who, what, loves us. For I'm convinced that neither death nor life, angels nor demons, present or the future, any powers, neither height nor depth, for anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from what? From the love of God 
in Christ Jesus our Lord. Remember Ephesians 2. All of us lived among them at one time, gratifying the cravings of our flesh and following its desires and thoughts. Like the rest, we were by nature deserving wrath from God. But because of his great love for us, God, who was rich in mercy, made us alive with Christ. And when we were dead in our transgressions and sin, it is by grace that you've been saved. And God raised us up with Christ and seated us in the heavenly realms in order that the coming ages he might show is the comparable riches of his grace expressed in his kindness to us in Jesus Christ. This is our heavenly Father who we've given our life to. I want to encourage you today that God loves you unconditionally. God is your deliverer. God is your carer and your provider. And God loves you. And I know that you say, well, you know, well, thank you, Lord, for that. But do you know something? On Father's Day today, just because of those three little attributes about our Father today, what do we need to give back in return? because of that love for us. I would say, as the Bible tells us to honour our father and mothers, I think we need to do the same with God the Father. I think we need to honour him back. Because of his goodness to us, all I can do is honour him. How, how do we honour him? By living the life that pleases him. That's the motivation. Because how good you are to me, God, I'm going to honour you, Lord. I'm going to honour you with all of my life. I'm going to try and live my life to please you. I know I don't get it right. But I'm going to be intentional about wanting to please you because you're such a, such a good, good father in my life. And do you know something? What I love about God is that they're amazing attributes. But do you know something? As any father should do, I mean a, a, a balanced father who loves his kids, if their kids get out of line, then the only right thing to do is to bring them back in line. And do you know God is committed to bringing us back in line when we stray? Because God disciplines those he loves. And it's not the kind of discipline that we may have received some, for some bad way in the past. The only intention that God disciplines his kids is when they go off track and he knows they're going to get hurt. And he does everything in his power to get you back on track no matter what it takes. Why? Because he loves you. And God will do that. You might, if you know the Lord and you think, oh, I don't care about this Jesus now, I want to tell you, God is not going to let you go. And I want to tell you today, God loves you. God will run after you. He will chasten you. He will try and train you. He'll warn you all with the proper growing up to be a son and daughter of his. And so I want to say to you today, when God disciplines us, it tells us in Hebrews, no discipline seems pleasant at the time, but painful I read that yesterday, talking about, Hebrews talks about how God disciplines his children. And he says, no discipline at the time is, is nice. It's actually painful. And I said to myself, who's it painful for? And do you know, as a dad, I know when I'm about to discipline my children, it's been painful for them. But I can tell you the truth, it's been more painful for me. It hurted me more than it hurt them for me to do, to say no to them and try and bring them back in line. It grieved me. Everything in me wanted to just let them off. But I know as a good father, if I wouldn't have put boundaries in place, it would have hurt them. But I want to tell you, when God 
comes down to help and sort our lives out. It hurts him much more than it hurts you and me. Why? Because he's the good, good father. Our heavenly father still delivers. Our heavenly father still cares and provides. Our heavenly father still loves us unconditionally. I want to tell you, his heart is broken when his people were in slavery under oppression. Yet his heart was even more broken when his people who had received all his benefits, rebelled and disobeyed God. Do you know the sad story of the scriptures, of the stories of the Bible? The sadness of it when you read it is that this amazing God that I've talked to you about this morning, all he wanted to do is be good to his children. And do you know the time and time and time and time again, his children turned their back on him and worshipped other gods. It broke God's heart. I want to tell you, it does bother God. It bothers him. It hurts him. And when you know that you're hurting somebody, you want to change your ways. Not out of religion, not out of legalism, but you come to a point in your life, you think, I don't want to hurt them anymore. They've been so good to me. Why should I do that to them? And it's the same with God. This all-powerful, this creator that can snuff us out in a second shows his grace and his mercy, and he allows us to choose to honour him because of who he is. What a privilege that is today. It breaks his heart when his children turn their back on him and don't want nothing to do with him. And even more breaks his heart when we talk about Jesus to others and people refuse him. When he realised that he gave his best to the world, gave Jesus, and people dismiss him, just like when he came to his own, and his own did not receive him. Jesus wept over Jerusalem because as he wanted to gather his people, they refused him and they crucified him. Today, I want to tell you the Father that we serve as an awesome God. And the greatest illustration that Jesus could give us in the scriptures in the New Testament is about the prodigal son. It's a picture of the father when a son decides to rebel and spend all his inheritance and leave his home and his father. When, when his son did that, he broke his father's heart. And as he watched his son leave the home and spend all his inheritance, he ended up feeding pigs in a depression, in a dark place. And all his, all his son could think about was, if only I could go home. If only I could go home and just be a hired hand in my father's house, that would be amazing. So he decides to get up and Jesus tells us a story. He decides to get up and walks back to his father. But the Bible tells us about the father. And he said, as he was a long way off, the father saw him. And this is what happened. Jesus depicts what God is like when somebody is turned away from him and wants to come back. No matter what they've done, this is what Jesus is saying. This is what my father's like when you make a mess of your life and you decide to come home. This is what my father does. And he says, the Bible says, he looked away, a long way off and he began to run, run towards his son. Wow. Begin to run towards the guy, that, the son that messed his life up and threw God's blessing back in his father's face. But God the father, his father ran towards his son and his son began to say, Dad, I'm sorry, before he could get the words out of his mouth. The Bible says he grabs him, put his arms around him, embraced him and kissed him. 
He didn't even let his son talk, but he began to call to his servants, say, come, go and get a fired cop. We are going to celebrate. My son was dead, but now he is alive again. He puts a ring on his finger, a cloak on him, and sandals on his feet, no longer more in slavery, but gives him back his position, gives him back his dignity, and gives him back his sonship. That's what Jesus says. That's what my father's like. Yeah, we break his heart. But as soon as you turn to come home, he runs towards you to embrace you with his love. Why don't you stand with me? You may be here today and you're going through a tough time and you're wondering where God is in your life. I want to assure you today, because based on his nature and his character and his actings with his people, that he's right in the midst of your stuff. And he's working. Maybe you come to church today, maybe you're online, and you're one of his children that have turned your back and not interested anymore in the kingdom, but somehow you've turned on the channel today. Maybe you've turned up today and thinking, I'm going to give it another go. Or maybe you've been coming for a few weeks, but in your heart you know you're not where you need to be. And your life is really not living to please the Lord. The greatest thing that would make our Heavenly Father happy today is one thing, that you'd come back to Him. That you make a decision to come home and recommit your life to Him. That would be the greatest Father present in heaven to him today. If you don't know Jesus, even greater present, that you'd give your life to him. This is the God that you will give your life to. Not some religion, not some rules and regulations, but a God who loves you, who sent his son to die for you on a cross. And if you would say yes to him, that would make him so happy. So I'm going to pray and then we'll close with a song. Heavenly Father, we love you because you first loved us. I ask you, Lord, that the revelation of who you are would go from our heads into our hearts. I ask you this week, Lord, that you'd reveal yourself in fresh ways to us. That we'd never allow the enemy to rob us of who you really are. And I pray, Lord, for your people today, your children, for those that are struggling, Lord, that are finding difficult through whatever's going on in their life, trying to manage what is God doing, where is God, are we going to get through this? Father, would you just touch them right now? Holy Spirit, thank you, Heavenly Father, you sent the Holy Spirit to be our comfort, to be our strength, to lead and to guide us into all truth. Holy Spirit, Would you bring comfort to every heart and every mind today? Would you let them know that you promise you'll never let them down, you'll never forsake them? Lord, I pray that all things will work together for good for those that love you, are called according to your purposes. So Lord, I ask you to breathe new life and new truth over their minds. Wash them today in the name of Jesus. Lord, if there's people in this place And you know that you're not where you need to be and you need to come back to the Lord properly. You need to say, Lord, I'm sorry for living my way. I'm going to turn today. I'm going to come back to you. 
You're wondering how's God how's God's gonna embrace me? I'll tell you he's gonna, he's gonna, he's gonna embrace you. He's gonna come running towards you with his love. If that's you, just say, Lord Jesus, I'm sorry. I repent of my sins today. I thank you for all your goodness to me, and Lord, I'm really sorry for turning my back on you. But this morning, because of your love, I changed my mind to turn and run back to you. I ask you, Father God, to fill me afresh. Lord, to take this weight off me, this guilt off me. I ask you, Father God, to fill me afresh with your Holy Spirit. Help me to live for you 100% with all of my life. And finally, if you don't know Jesus Christ today online, in this room, and somehow you just find yourself, do you know what? I just, something's gone on in my heart and you think, do you know what? I want to give, I need to give my life to this Jesus. Then all you've got to do is just ask him. If you believe in your heart and you ask him, I want to tell you, God will come. Your father, your heavenly father will fill you with his love, give you his Holy Spirit, give you assurance of eternal life, give you a brand new start, forgive all your sins. If that's you in this place, then you pray this prayer from your heart. There's no magic formula. It's just you and your heart between the Lord. Lord Jesus, I come before you now and I ask you to forgive me of all my sins. I'm sorry for living my life my way. And from this moment, I make a decision to turn from living my life my way to living your way. I put my hand in your hand and I ask you to cleanse me and to fill me with your Holy Spirit. I believe Jesus Christ died for me and rose again. And from this day, I want to make a decision to follow you with all of my heart. And I ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. If you prayed that prayer today and you come with somebody, tell them you did it. Come and see one of us after. Or go to Info Point and we'll give you some stuff to help you. But as I leave you today, people of God, those that you know Jesus, those that you know God, I want to tell you, your Heavenly Father tremendously loves you more than you can ever even imagine. I cannot articulate what He is really like. But I know this, he is faithful. He is our deliverer. He is our carer. He is our provider. And he definitely loves us. Come on, let's give him praise.